You hear that on the mic? <laughs> it's like, Tarzan. Uh, How hard do I have to slap myself before you hear it on the mic? <laughs> I heard that. Ow. We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's (laughs) mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips. The podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi, Mom. (laughs) How's it going? It's okay on my side of the table. How is it on your side of the table? It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. This is almost social. This is social distancing, I think, probably. Close. I think it's four feet wide. Oh. But we're leaning back a little. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking into our mics, so we're not. We're good. Although we don't social distance at other times, so I guess it doesn't matter. That ship has sailed. <laughs> I'm pretty good about social distancing other places. Oh, yeah, me too. I really notice, like, even though I have my mask on, obviously, when I'm at a store and, like, someone... Grocery stores? Is walking... Oh, my gosh. Give me such anxiety. And I'm, like, backing up. <laughs> I feel and like I'm I a- say this every episode, but I feel like it's worth repeating every episode. I hate going to grocery stores. And I've noticed now that one of the stores in our area has taken the little signs off the yes, floor. Yes, me too. Yeah, I noticed but, that as well. Which is fine. However... I was at another store today where the signs are still there, and I still follow the signs because I've got, you know, that thing. Uh-huh. And so, like, if I, I'm at the end <laughs> of the line and, judging I'm, you. and I'm thinking, okay, I can't go down that one because it says, you know, stop, do not enter, whatever. So I look around, if noise around, I back down. <laughs> <laughs> I go back. so cute. That is adorable. <laughs> I refuse to go the wrong way, but I pretend See, like a... <laughs> I don't follow the arrows unless there's other people in the yeah. aisle. Yeah. If it's just me, I'm like, zip, zippity doo I'm just going. Mm-hmm. Like, I can just go faster if I just go. But if there's other people, then I try to be respectful of it. But what if you're like halfway down the wrong way and someone comes in the correct way? And I turn and go the right way. Oh, well, good. <laughs> good answer. If they're coming in, if they're the going correct the correct way, way as well. Yeah. The correct way and turning down and going, why is that woman going the wrong way? Bah, humbuck. Oh, yeah, no, that's a different. I don't think anyone's thinking that. <laughs> I think in our area, it's lucky enough if they have masks on. So I don't, think they're, uh, I don't think they're judging me. One of my clients the other day said that our area made like national, our county or whatever made national news because we're like in the top five or something. Wow, like I'm so worst. proud of I us. I know, he, yeah. said, he said, well, that's a heck of a thing to be known for. <laughs> yeah, to everyone listening, that's not top five, like, oh, we're handling it super well. It's the opposite. Yeah, top five, like, like, we have a lot bad. of cases. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Ann and I aren't bad. We're good. We're good. We're good people. We wear our little masks. 
I, I enjoy masks, actually. Not like, woo, yay, I'm having fun wearing a mask. But I, I like all the masks that I have. Like, they're cute. And um, I, I just recently got a little Christmas mask with dogs with sweaters on them. <laughs> so I'm happy about that. And you gave me a mask with owls. I did. I did. I love it. I was just going on a mask ordering spree, and I thought it was nice. <laughs> That is a nice a mask little design. ordering spree. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm like, well, I've lost like four of my masks, so I better buy, buy six more. It's a whole new accessory. Mm-hmm. Okay, do we have any um, pre-roll before we jump into this topic that's a little... I'm going to plug merch because we're getting into <gasps> holiday sale time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we have any specific holiday codes, but if we do, I will be putting them up on um, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and everything. But in the meantime, if you're looking for some cozy, s- some real cozy, real soft uh, shirts, sweatshirts, uh, sweatshirts to cuddle up in during the winter while you drink your hot chocolate... Why not a Freudian Sip sweatshirt? Absolutely. <laughs> you want to be cool. You want to be cool and cozy. Cool and cozy. Cool and warm. God, mm-hmm. ah, <laughs> I get it. Okay. Head on over to uh, FreudianSips.com and there's a link to our merch store and you can find all of our fun little merch. Mm-hmm. The mugs are kind of cool too. Mugs, mugs, are, mugs to are drink your hot chocolate. <laughs> good Christmas presents yeah. for mugs. Yeah. Just buy Freudian Sip stuff for everyone in your life, really. <laughs> They'll love it. Yeah. Promise. They will. <laughs> and if they've never heard Freudian Sips, then that will help them to listen. Exactly. They will know what they've been missing. It's a cool design, even if you don't listen. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have any interest in psychology at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, Frasier is one of the shows that we kind of put on to have, like, in the background mm-hmm. um, during the evenings, and we were watching it last night, and Frasier was talking to someone who was like a, a musician and she said yeah some people had like teen idols posters on their walls and i had and she said like a opera person and he's like yeah i had a, I had a poster of sigmund freud on my wall and she goes but did you kiss it and he goes i would have but he would have read too much into it <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was funny that's cute Frasier has has its moments Frasier is a much different show when you're in the psychology field <laughs> Could. You know, that's true. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that, but I watched it. I kind of binge watched it. Yeah, last... it's a very bingeable yeah. show. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of one of those that we watch like three seasons in a row and then we don't watch it for like six months. Uh-huh. Exactly. All right. So what are we talking about today? What episode is it, by the way? 77. Wow. Okay. Seven and seven. That's seven. a drink, isn't it? We should have made those. Oh, man. Dang we it. should have. It's seven up and Seagram seven. Seven and seven. Sounds right. Mm-hmm. I remember drinking it a few times in my youth. <laughs> in your youth. Yeah, because it was cool to order a seven and seven. It does sound like a very like, I know what I'm I talking know. about kind of thing. Da, da, da. <laughs> well, our topic today is one of those that we've kind of put off, I think. <laughs> it is. It's a It's a meaty topic. It is. So today we're going to talk about bipolar disorder. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised it's taken us to episode 77 oh, to do it. but It's because it's meaty. Yeah. There's just, there's been a lot of ups and downs this year, folks. And we're going to get some things straight about the ups and downs. <laughs> That's a great way to talk about it. Thanks. Because our society, culture, I'm not sure how to say that. We, we live use... in a society, everyone. We do. <laughs> but we overuse the term. We yes. uh, have made it. 
can't remember. We've talked about that about some other some other diagnoses. I was trying as well. to think. I, I think we've talked about that with depression and OCD. OCD is yeah. another one that we just kind of throw that term around mm-hmm. when we shouldn't be throwing those terms around. It's just become. It's not even become something it's not. I guess to some extent it has. It, it's kind of lost its meaning with the way people throw it around. Right. Um. So I do think a lot of this episode is going to involve us going, well, that's not really exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And like, this is more what it is. And, and I think maybe setting the record straight a little bit. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. Let's do it. So why don't you start us out, baby? Okay. Uh. So I'll just talk a little bit about what bipolar disorder is in general terms a little later i'll talk more about like the specific uh diagnostic criteria like from the dsm but just for now let's talk about in general what it is Mm -hmm. uh so bipolar disorder you may have heard it called manic depression that is kind of an outdated term at this point especially with the the new dsm the dsm5 manic depression isn't used anymore it's just called bipolar disorder and that's the thing that i've heard some people not really be clear on that they've been talking about bipolar and then they're like oh i don't think it's bipolar i think it's like what is it manic depression and i'm like oh, the same thing. <laughs> it's like when people are like it's not add it's adhd i'm like oh, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason it's called manic depression will become clear if you're not okay if you don't know what bipolar disorder is it's a mood disorder that causes shifts in mood shifts in energy and we call these manic episodes and depressive episodes And I cannot stress enough, these are not just highs and lows. Like, they're not feeling bad and then feeling good. That's the the very, very basic. Sure, there is some of that, but it's much more complicated than that. And it's not just feeling good, feeling bad. Right. That's, that's... It's like saying that depression is just feeling sad. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, there's a lot more that goes along with it. And... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really frustrating when I see people who don't have bipolar disorder because if you have bipolar disorder, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very disruptive to people's lives, as are, as are most of the disorders we talk about. I mean, I, the diagnostic criteria for most of the disorders we talk about includes this disrupts your life. That dis- exactly. So That's so, how you get into the diagnosis. Right, exactly. It's not just highs and lows. And I, I do think that a lot of people attribute really normal ups and downs in their emotions to uh, being evidence of bipolar when that's not true in themselves and others. I I think bipolar is almost kind of a derogatory term sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're so bipolar. Right. When you're just kind of expressing two different opinions or or like you were sad one day and then you're not sad Mm -hmm. the next day. It's like, oh, you're so bipolar. That's just... I know. I think that's because our society, we live in a society that... that, We just keep going back to that. We do. We still do. Even though you feel a little isolated with the whole COVID thing, (laughs) you do still still in a society. I think society has this thing about strong emotions being like negative. Mm. I, I just, the more people I talk to, the more it's like, this emotion that you're feeling is totally understandable to feel. And by you trying to say like, it's not okay that I'm feeling this, you're just putting yourself in a bad spot. I mean, that kind of goes into a rant for another time, I guess. <laughs> but but I really do think that there's a lot of people that just think, oh, I have really strong emotions. I'm bipolar. Mm-hmm. It's not true. People just have strong emotions sometimes. Some people stronger than others. Exactly. Yeah. I, and again, like I said before, I think this explanation is going to require some clarifying of what the terms that I mentioned before mean, the, the manic and depressive terms 
because it really has gone through the ringer in terms of how people use it and what people think it means and how people think it looks. Like the other stuff we've talked about, it probably looks really different than maybe people are thinking. Uh, so let's start with Mania, what Mania is. Uh, so you've probably heard this before, feeling manic, having manic energy, all that kind of stuff. And this is when a person has a lot more energy than normal. Now that doesn't necessarily mean it's happy energy. Right. Mom and I were actually just talking about this before we started recording, but like I currently am working with a, a kiddo who, uh, and I say kiddo, I mean, she's a, she's a, kind of a late teenager, but we're kind of getting to this point where we're thinking that she has bipolar disorder, that she hits a lot of the markers for that. And we've kind of been looking out for when she has her manic episodes and what that looks like for her, because it's gonna, just like depression, it's gonna look different for people. And hers often look like anger and crying. Mm-hmm. Um, so it almost seems like a depressive explosion, but mm-hmm. it's it's really high energy and she, you know, takes a lot of risks. So it's manic. It's, mm-hmm. it's a manic thing, but it's not positive. I mean, she doesn't feel euphoric, right. which which is often part of mania. A lot of people who experience mania feel like very up. Mm-hmm. That it's very common. Um, now, sometimes that goes to the anger or or to the just really strong emotions. But yeah, there often is that kind of euphoric feeling. I think that's one of the things that is often people think that mania is the woohoo yeah. party on yes. all this energy to clean my house and do all uh-huh. these good things and positive positive, you know that kind of mania. Which, like you said, that can happen, can but that's not always what oh. it is. Especially with, I mean, it depends on what's going on in your life, right? I mean, right. other factors. I've had several clients um, mention the advertisements for bipolar. Like they'll see because those advertisements try bipolar disorder (laughs) (laughs) for the medication, Anna. You sassy pants. Give the old woman a break. I was making fun of the ads, not you. But I said, so so you were making fun of me. No! It's okay. I can take No. They do have very specific advertisement for medication for bipolar. Where they're like, you know, like doing all this crazy painting and like taking pictures and haven't you ever seen I have those? Not. Nice. You look at me like you I, don't know what I'm talking about. I don't really watch. You don't cable watch a lot. TV. Yeah, I don't watch yeah, TV a yeah, lot. Yeah. yeah, but there are very specific commercials about the mania. Gotcha. And it's always, you know, like they're doing a million things at uh-huh. once and getting all these things done. Mm-hmm. But but they're like doing it yeah, on it's a not house like of cards. always productive or whatever. Right, right. But I've had several clients refer to it and be like, oh, I'm like that sometimes, you know. Sometimes I have a lot of energy and I get a lot of things done. Yeah, so do like, I. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> on a that's, good day, that's it, what I do. Exactly. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Everyone's going to have days where they feel up. I mean, mm-hmm. that, again, that's just emotion right we talked about this what episode was it i think we were talking about the cognitive distortions and stuff where one of the cognitive distortions is expecting your emotions not to change oh yeah yeah and and i think that that's way more common than people think Uh it is i think a lot of people have that where they expect themselves to be super steady no matter what Mm -hmm. and that's unrealistic real life yeah exactly (laughs) Okay, so mania doesn't have to be woohoo. Doesn't have to be woohoo. Not necessarily positive. 
instead of mood, look more for the energy. Right. Mood can play a part in it, but the the energy level and the intensity level, intensity is a better way to say it maybe, mm-hmm. that's going to be really high. Um, and I think the risk thing is very significant. The risk thing is is huge. I'll talk about that in just a second. Other little parts of it, um, someone with uh, a manic episode is maybe going to be really distractible. They, they might be really talkative and feel pressured to talk, have racing thoughts. There's probably going to be changes in sleep and appetite as there are with almost every mm-hmm. mental disorder. And yeah, exactly. Like you said, a huge part of mania is the impulsivity. Just general bad choices is, I guess, a way I would say mm-hmm. it. So this includes like buying sprees. Buying sprees are so common. Mm-hmm just spending more than usual. It's kind of short-sightedness. It's it's just not thinking of the repercussions of, of those right. choices. Right. So spending a lot is a big red flag for a lot of people, but it also could be like uh, taking sexual risks. It could be driving really erratically, like I said with my, with my kiddo um, mm-hmm. that I talked about earlier. And it could just be things that put themselves and other people in danger, or it could just be like really high risk-taking. I mean, it could be like, I want to, I want to bungee jump. Exactly. Like, yeah, I want to go parachuting. Uh, So yeah, it could be, it could be those kind of things. And it links back to this feeling that people in a manic episode have where they feel this really high optimism. Uh, They feel grandiose um, is is a way that it's described in the DSM. And grandiose just means like big and expansive and often very like egocentric, that kind of thing. That word is used when we talked about narcissism. Right. Um, Feeling invincible is mm-hmm. is links back to mania. And about mania, I do want to mention that a lot of the people that I've worked with who have bipolar disorder, they often don't come in very quick because they like the mania. Sure. Like and yeah, yeah. If I take it going, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if it's if it's going if it's to the be good this, stuff, exactly. Yeah. If it's the productive or the or the positive, or they feel euphoric, mm-hmm. they're not going to want to get rid of that. Right. I mean, that's a thing that's enjoyable to feel. And I've I've even had people very aware of what they're going through say like, I know I have the depressive stuff too, but that's worth it to get to the mania. Mm. Like when when I hit the upswing, it like makes everything worth it and makes everything okay. Mm. So so I mean it's it's really hard because there are some pros. Now what we always end up going back to is yes, it feels good to be euphoric. It feels it feels good to be up. It feels good if you're like cleaning your entire house in twenty minutes, mm-hmm. but it's not good for you. Right, and it often includes. The risk things that I talked about, like spending way too much money or or driving really erratically. Mm-hmm. So even if you're going to clean your house, if you're driving 90 miles an hour to go to the store to pick up cleaning solution, yeah. and then you, you spend $200 on stuff you don't need, <laughs> right. that's bad too. Right. It's again, like not recognizing the entirety of the situation. Right, right exactly. Linked to mania, this, I don't know how how common this would be outside of the mental health field because i know i've i've talked about it like with clients and stuff but i don't know how common it is uh the term hypomania Mm. so this may be a thing you've heard or or not so hypomania let me little lesson in prefixes here everyone (laughs) (laughs) because i always think of hypothyroidism when i hear that term i I always think of hypothermia ah okay so hypo means below so if you have hypothermia, it means your body temperature is below what it should be. Um, and if you have hypomania, it means you have mania, but less than the mania that I just described. So that being said, it still has a lot of the same markers as mania. Like there's still, you know, impulsive choices. There's still being distractible or really talkative. There's still, it, it has all the same stuff usually. Mm-hmm. 
it's just less of it. And people with hypomania can usually function okay. Like a big thing with a manic episode is it's going to interrupt your work, it's going to interrupt your school, it's going to interrupt your family life. Like the behaviors that are going to be shown during a manic episode are going to be extremely disruptive to to you and everyone else around you. Hypomania is a bit easier to overlook. Mom's picking paint out of her hair, I think. (laughs) Mom is covered to give you... Are we distracted? We're a little... You're distracted. (laughs) Mom is (laughs) leaning back in her chair, picking her hair out. I'm not picking my hair out. I'm just paint out of my hair. She's covered in white paint because she's been painting her garage, so it looks like she killed a ghost. (laughs) You can't kill ghosts, silly. Re-kill it. girl. (laughs) I just tried to kill it. So so back on on track for a second... (laughs) The struggle I have with that terminology is how do you decide where that line is between mania and hypomania? And, you know, how do you decide where the line is between just having a lot of energy that day and being hypomanic? Or manic, yeah. Uh, That is so hard. And Uh I really do think it's subjective. Uh Exactly. I, I mean, I think if you take the same, like if you write down all of your symptoms, if like you're, if you are struggling with what looks like bipolar disorder and you write down all your symptoms and you take them to like five different counselors, you're probably going to get three different diagnoses. Mm -hmm. It is an art instead of a science. That's what scares me a little bit though about being a therapist. Yeah. Knowing that that that's mm-hmm. that subjective. It is subjective, it. but, and we'll talk about this a little later when we talk about treatment, is the, the one thing I can say about that is as long as it's in like the bipolar family of diagnoses, right. it's probably going to have really similar treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're not going to see really different treatments versus like from bipolar one to bipolar two. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I think that even if you get those different diagnoses, you're probably going to handle it the same way. It's just what's on paper. Right. Because like I said, hypomania has all the same things mm-hmm. in it. So where's that line where it's like, oops, you just went into mania. Well, and then it's also hard because some people may just be better at hiding it. Yeah. Like some people may be in a manic episode, but maybe that's how they look to everyone else all the time. And so everyone has a hard time knowing that that's not baseline for them, which baseline is a good word to bring up as well. Like when we talk about having super high energy and being in a manic state, there are just some people that are super high energy. Exactly. I mean, there are just some people where that is their baseline. And so those people aren't going to be, you know, diagnosed as bipolar disorder because that's kind of where they are naturally. Now, if you're more level for a baseline and then you shoot into a manic episode, that's going to be a lot more evident. Okay. And on the other side of that, like talking about the baseline, if you go much down from the baseline, that's a depression episode. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the depression for a second. And I do think this one is probably going to require a little bit less explanation. I mean, this is one of those things that society has used and overused a lot and how it kind of distorted what depression is. But I also think that's kind of given us more of an awareness of depression and how it can look different. But yeah, a depressive episode within bipolar 
is a depressive episode. It's not different than just a depressive episode like in Major Depressive Disorder. Right. So a depressive episode will have all the hallmarks of clinical depression. It's probably going to include sadness or like or like low mood. Um, it is going to include a really low energy. There's going to be a lack of energy. Um, there's probably going to be a, a loss of appetite. There's probably going to be sleep disturbance. You're going to have a loss of interest in things that you usually find pleasurable. I the, think that's a really big flag. I, I think so too. I think that's the thing that kind of... It's like the losing your sense of smell for COVID. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the the one thing where people are like, why don't I like anything anymore? Mm-hmm. That's how I can always tell when I'm going into a bit of a downswing. I'm like, I'm doing these things that I usually find really fun and they're not fun right now. And I'm mm-hmm. like, nah, not crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's always a bit of a flag. This one is a little bit easier to connect to the mood. I think there's a more likelihood that a depressive episode is going to include like sadness than yeah. there is that mania is going to include happiness. Yeah, that that's a good way sense. to say it. So you're probably going to feel worried. Hopelessness is a really big one with depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it really is the opposite energy-wise of mania. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you're going to feel not pressure to talk you can't yeah really slow really like lethargic and instead of i can do anything you feel like you can't can't really do do anything anything. yes i'm such a loser yeah that is a depressive episode whether in bipolar or major depressive disorder or or whatever i mean exactly those look those are the same thing Mm -hmm. and that's that's all pretty rough already but occasionally especially during a manic episode someone suffering from bipolar disorder might also experience psychotic symptoms This basically means a break from reality. So this is probably going to include delusions or hallucinations. And often they're going to be surrounding the idea of like invincibility or grandiosity. Um, But it can also be like paranoid. Mm. It can be suspicious. So it's just the way that your brain is firing to make a manic episode happen. There is a possibility that that will transfer to a psychotic episode. And that usually includes a hospitalization of some kind. Mm Okay. Okay. Whew, that's a lot. That's Sh- quite a definition, baby. <laughs> thanks. I don't know if that was a compliment. I said thanks anyway. Uh, <laughs> should I talk about the different types now or do you want me to do that later? Um, Actually, why don't you go ahead and talk about the different types? Because one of the things I'm going to talk about is how it looks uh, different in men and women. Okay. And in order to do that, one of the things is that women are more likely to have one type over the other. Okay. So yeah. maybe it would be helpful if you have the types first. Okay. So it, it's pretty easy to at least explain it. It's much harder to actually, like we were just talking about, see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's bipolar 1, bipolar 2, and cyclothymia. Is that how you say that word? <laughs> That's how I say it, but I, I don't because it's like a cycle. Yes. Cyclothymic disorder is what it's called in the DSM. So the basics here are that in bipolar 1 – you need to have experienced a manic episode and a depressive episode. I mean, that's... So that's kind of like the classic bipolar. Yeah, that's... You know, that's what, what everyone think thinks of. of. Right, yeah. exactly. So that's bipolar one. Then bipolar two, you don't have to have a manic episode, but you have to have a hypomanic at least. So it's kind of it's kind of this spectrum of mania with bipolar one on one side, major depressive disorder on the other side where you're not experiencing mania at all. And then mm. bipolar two is kind of in the middle where you have a little bit of that mania, manic swing, but, but your depressive episodes are going to stay the same. Um, or they're going to be as intense as as other depressive episodes. And then cyclothymia is... It, I struggle with cyclothymia because 
again, this kind of goes back to my little soapbox before about like just having ups and downs. Because mm-hmm. I'm just going to read this from the DSAM. It says, for at least two years, at least one year in children and adolescents, there have been numerous periods with hypomanic symptoms that do not meet criteria for a hypomanic episode and numerous periods with depressive symptoms that do not meet criteria for a major depressive episode. So to me, that just sounds like life. That's ups and downs, baby. That That's what I, that's highs I, and lows. I'm with you on that. that I don't really think that should be diagnosable. I mean, I would be that. I'm, because I'm that right now. I, I know. I know. Every freaking <laughs> yeah. day of my Especially life. Especially <laughs> in 2020. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I, exactly. Yeah. So that that one that one I struggle with a bit, but I... It's I, almost like, well, we got to have something for the people that we really can't diagnose as bipolar, but they really want to be bipolar. So let's give them a title. Well, no. Or I, we really want them to be bipolar. I don't know I think it that's is. it. I, I think it's more like a... It's kind of a catch-all. You know what I mean? It's kind of a, oh, well, they're kind of doing some bipolar mm. stuff, but meh. They can't really meet criteria, so yeah. we have to put them somewhere else. Yeah. But then, see, that's one of the things that I have an issue with overall with diagnosing is mm-hmm. that I do feel like sometimes we diagnose just what's average people stuff, you know? It's because insurance is terrible. Yeah. It's because well. insurance sucks. No offense to any insurance people that might be listening. In no. <laughs> if you're... <laughs> We if still like love you an insurance if you're an insurance agent, person. If you don't have like a say in what, <laughs> but if you're one of the people who like decides, oh. <laughs> then yeah, full offense actually. <laughs> no respect given. <laughs> no due respect no, or whatever No, if you're just like filing claims is. or whatever, it's not your cog in the machine, my dude. It's fine. But if you're like deciding that someone can't get mental health treatment because they're insurance, full offense. Don't do that. I will mention here, so as with every disorder, there are things called specifiers. Um, so this just means like while we are diagnosing, we can add different specifiers depending on how it's showing up. So like one of them is called with anxious distress, which mm-hmm. basically means like you have bipolar, but you're also anxious about it, it which you, why I'm wouldn't excited. you be? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I like specifiers though. <laughs> Because specifiers make me feel like it's not just one big bag. That's such a weird thing to say, but I know exactly what you mean. It makes it more clear what you're trying to say. It makes me feel like I know what I'm talking about more, honestly. (laughs) It makes you feel like you know the person and you're not just throwing them into a category. Yeah. but um, Maybe it's just a way of covering my butt. Could be that. And there's also one that I am going to mention called With Rapid Cycling. So this is at least four mood episodes in the previous 12 months. Let me say that again. Wow. Four episodes in 12 months. That is rapid. That's a rapid cycle. So I think when a lot of people think of bipolar disorder, they think of like one day you are super high and the next day you're super low. That is very infrequently what it looks like. That's almost never. Huge misunderstanding, I think. I think that's probably the biggest misunderstanding. Yeah. The people think that because one day you, you wake up and you're really sad mm-hmm. and that yesterday you were having a really good day, but today you're really sad. Well, then I must be bipolar because I right. went from one extreme to the other. It is. It's It's not. Sorry. <laughs> punch, punch, punch. <laughs> I got so I hate sad. it when people do that. <laughs> <laughs> but 
The way that it's been described to me is a roller coaster, like more than once from more than one person mm-hmm. with bipolar disorder. But they describe it as like a slow build and then a, usually the descent is a little more rapid for them, but it's still slower. Right. I mean, it's weeks at a time to switch from one cycle to right. the other, not just one day to the next. Right. So that's, yeah, that's to me the biggest misunderstanding. Hello, Sipsters. Okay, you may think that this is editing Anna, but it's not. It's promo Anna. They're different. Uh, I am interrupting me and my mother to shamelessly plug something that I'm doing and I'm kind of excited about. So on a previous episode of the podcast, I mentioned that I was maybe going to start a YouTube channel. Uh, That didn't happen. Uh, Just not feasible right now. But I am going to be starting a Twitch. So if you don't know what Twitch is, Twitch is a streaming service where uh, you can stream games, you can stream different things you're doing. And I am going to be streaming, just playing some video games and stuff like that. So I'm also going to be working a Discord into it, which if you don't know what Discord is, it's a, a chat service and a, and a kind of community building service. So yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be starting this stuff. So maybe we can get some more engagement. Um, I just want to reach more people and maybe just explore some new avenues. You know, I want to get some new things going and I'm excited to try this. So if you want to check it out, you can find it at twitch.tv slash anagrams, A-N-N-A-G-R-A-M-S. So that's twitch.tv slash anagrams. Um, I'm planning on streaming like Wednesdays, Thursdays, maybe a weekend or two. Kind of depends on how I'm feeling, honestly. But I'll be posting links on the Freudian Sip social media when I do that. So I really hope you'll join me for some some game time, uh, maybe a laugh or two, hopefully. And I hope we can just build a really cool community there and um, get some talk about mental health going and, you know, just kind of just kind of chat, just kind of have a good time to get us all through these crazy, unprecedented times. Okay, so thank you for listening to Promo Anna. Back to a regular podcast, Anna, and also Bonnie. Bye! But yeah, those are the uh, types of bipolar disorder. Okay. Take it away. So I'm going to talk a little bit about um, how bipolar looks different in different people. And I guess to just start... We would say that about any kind of diagnosis that, you know, when we talked about depression, we said that too, that, Mm -hmm. you know, if you and I both are diagnosed with depression, it doesn't mean that it looks at all the same. (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) that the same diagnosis in two different people might look very different. Right. So, of course, that's the same with bipolar. Overall, I'm going to start kind of talking about the difference between men and women Mm -hmm. with bipolar. But I would start by saying that the prevalence of bipolar in men versus women is basically equal. But that being said, as we always talk about that the difference between men and women in treatment, that women are more likely to be looking for help in situations. Right. So here are some differences. First of all, and so although I'm talking about men and women, there are several things in here that that also pull in age differences. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of do those at the same time. And I mean, uh, when we're talking about gender, of course, I have to mention that there's just not a lot of research on like trans people no, and not, stuff like that. Like prob- I didn't find like, anything non-binary, to be all yeah. that stuff. Anything that's not in the gender binary, probably there's not a lot of research right. on it. Just not yet. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, there's always a lot of ongoing research with, with bipolar. 
Yeah. So many things that I read were like, but there's more more research. I remember that from grad school. More research is needed. More research is needed. <laughs> that's a, it's a I'm good, not going to do it. That's a good cover your ass move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a researcher's right cover your ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I might be totally off. That's why somebody else should do some <laughs> more research. Every every research thing just needs like the shrug emoji at the at the bottom <laughs> of it. Just like, oh. Okay, so bipolar uh, may surface earlier in men than in women. The first onset of bipolar symptoms often surfaces uh, for people in their 20s, regardless if they are men or women. However, the research shows that the initial depressive episode in men tends to be like about five years earlier than in women. Wow. So it's about 22 years old, like average-ish, 22 years old in men versus 27 years old in women. And the same holds true for mania, the average onset for women being 25, almost 26 years old. For men, it's just shy of 22 years old. Wow. So the age difference is tied into the difference. So how should I say it, Anna, that I'm not you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to just say the difference between men and women if if that is in some way insensitive. Is it okay if I just say the difference between men and women? I mean, just... Because you've already given the footnote that yeah, says that it doesn't I mean, really, as the always, non-binary when stuff. we say men and women, we're talking about cis men cis, and cis, cis women. Cisgender. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so many terms. So many words. <laughs> things I have to learn in my old age. Okay. Um... <laughs> So kind of the same but opposite that is that women are more likely to develop what they call late onset bipolar. So that's another age-related and gender-related difference. Late onset is considered diagnosed at 50 years old or older. Wow. That is that late, is late onset. It? Some researchers do include people in their 40s, but generally speaking, it's usually 50 and older. And it's often tied in women to menopause. Mm. And that, that's going to come up in just a minute, too, that bipolar is often affected by women's hormones. And so that makes sense that then when women hit menopause, maybe they've been just kind of on the edge of bipolar. um, But then when their hormones do all the crazy, crazy stuff that they do. Kicks them off the cliff. Yeah. Like 300. We are so done after that. This is Sparta. Among women with bipolar, one in five report that they had significant difficulty during menopause. Hmm. Like, it, you know, their their symptoms flared up pretty bad during that time. Only one in five? Well, that's what it says. Kind of surprising. Seems like it would be more. Um, one of the things I read, though, that was by the time women who have had bipolar for quite a while and then hit menopause, oh, they're so self-aware sure. by that point that they've learned when things are getting bad. So they know how to either change their therapy or change their medication, ask for right. changes in their medication. So that's one of the reasons that it's not more probably. Mm-hmm. So going right into that idea of it's not just menopause, but a woman's cycle yeah. is significant. Too many cycles when you're a woman. There's the menstrual cycle, there's the mood cycle, (laughs) the menstrual cycle is tied to the moon cycle, (laughs) the tidal waves. It makes sense then that bipolar disorder can worsen during certain phases of our reproductive system. Cycle, sorry. Cycle. System cycle. And specifically postpartum, which makes a lot of sense. Again, I mean, I kind of throw that in the same category as menopause, even though they're very different. It still involves like your hormones are going to be super out of whack. And that's probably going to throw your emotions super out of whack. And they say they estimate that that effect 
on bipolar in women who have bipolar postpartum can be up to six months after the baby's born. Wow. So that's a pretty good chunk of time that they have to be aware that things might be changing. Right. Okay, I said this earlier, and it, it just kind of makes sense, and it's a general statement that men are, are less likely to seek treatment than women. And so that's a, another difference overall in the whole treatment of bipolar because the men aren't, aren't likely. Thank the patriarchy for that one, that's folks. Right. That's toxic masculinity for you. And part of that is that oftentimes in men, their mania looks more like aggressive behavior, which in our society is often reinforced. You know, that yep. manly man. Will, oh, yeah, so, boys will be boys. Boys will be boys, exactly. And so their mania might be hidden in, in just, you know, well, he's kind of got a bad temper, hidden you know. Hidden in plain sight. Yeah. And then when they have the depressive episodes, they're less likely to talk about it and more likely to just isolate because it's not okay. It goes back to that, I think, especially for men, it's strong emotions are not okay unless it's angry. Right. And we just talked about that together too, that for men, that anger thing comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're sad, you know, they might, gonna cover it they might appear angry. If right. they're happy or if they're manic, they might appear angry. Right. It's like, well, I'm just going to be angry. Yeah. Because that's a manly man thing to exactly. do. Exactly. It's, it's accepted. Yeah. Okay, this goes back to um, women that do seek treatment. Women are more frequently misdiagnosed. And part of that is because of the whole uh, cycle thing mm-hmm. and that they, they might be misdiagnosed in that way. But um, right. among individuals who've been misdiagnosed, women are 25% more likely to have received diagnosis of major depressive disorder. Mm. Which, I mean, you're at least getting treatment for part of it. But honestly, I mean... I've worked with clients before who have a pre-existing diagnosis of of depression. And once we, uh, there's one person in particular really early in my counseling career, like we were working off the assumption that it was major depressive. Mm -hmm. And then when we eventually got to, hey, maybe this is bipolar. Hey, these things that you're talking about, that's mania. Mm -hmm. Uh, Game changer. Right. Because it's such a different, I mean, like there's some overlap in treatment. But the the things that don't overlap are significant. Well, and and that's the really significant point is the medication idea. If you're on a medication that's specifically for just the depression, then you're gonna it can result in your manic episodes and being weird and off. Yes. And also it can trigger more rapid cycling if you're on the wrong kind of medication. So that yeah, goes back to that, that scariness of diagnosing because you don't yeah. want to misdiagnose somebody. Yeah. Okay, so women, this goes back to the why I wanted you to talk about the difference between one and two. Women are more likely to have bipolar 2. So remind me again. Bipo- so bipolar 2 is when you don't have a full manic episode. You just have to have a hypomanic episode. Which then explains why they might be misdiagnosed as just depressive disorder. Because mm-hmm. in other words, they, they're just not, they don't have as much mania. Right. So they're, yeah, they're just... it's if it's not, especially if it's hypomanic and and they're able to cover it more, mm-hmm. then yeah, it's just going to look like depressive. The other thing that's that's different between men and women is the whole idea of having uh, disorders that are comorbid with with bipolar. When compared to men, women with bipolar disorder are more likely to experience health issues. Mm-hmm. So like things like thyroid disease or obesity or migraine headaches. Mm. Mm. I would be depressed <laughs> if I had migraine headaches as well. Mm. Yes. Women with bipolar disorder are three times more likely to get migraine headaches. Wow. Than an average person wow. without bipolar. See, that's really fascinating to me because like, what does that have to do with the brain chemicals? Right. Well, 
I mean, they've done so much research that migraines often have to do with hormones. Mm-hmm. And so if your hormones are have an effect in your bipolar, right. then it also has an effect with your migraines. So yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Women are more likely, when I talked about comorbid, that was kind of the physical side of it. They're also more likely to have anxiety, PTSD, insomnia, and other mental health issues than men are who have bipolar. Uh, women are more likely to do the rapid cycling too mm. than men are. But again, I wonder if that's just because it's harder to notice in men that maybe it looks more rapid in right, women. Right, right. That's a good point. The other last point that I think I have on that list is that men are more likely, while the women are more likely to have that comorbid, those things that I mentioned, men are more likely to uh, get caught up in substance abuse. Oh, sure. Um, because of bipolar than women are. Which again is probably back to it's not okay that I'm feeling this emotion, thing. so I'm going to like self-medicate. I'm going to self-medicate instead of going to get help. Yep. So that was mostly about the difference between men and women. And I did mention a couple things about age in there. But speaking about age for just a minute, I'm going to kind of take a sidestep into the whole age idea. They've done studies that show that there's kind of, what I found was there's research that shows one thing and also shows, you know, like, dis, what's that called? Dissonant. They don't agree. The research does not agree. <laughs> That's what it's <laughs> called. And you have to say it in that voice. <laughs> The research does not agree. agree. I wish they could see the weird things we do with our bodies. (laughs) (laughs) That sometimes bipolar decreases, like bipolar symptoms decrease with age. Like with early onset, Mm -hmm. sometimes it decreases. So like Ian and I talked about this uh, before the show too, about children having bipolar. That's very hard to diagnose a child with bipolar. But there has been research that shows that some real early onset bipolar, it's almost like they outgrow it. But there's also research that shows the opposite, that no matter when the age of onset is, that it actually gets worse cool. with age. So we don't know, basically. Right. So the bottom line is the shrug emoji again. <laughs> <laughs> more research is needed. More shrug more emoji. <laughs> I guess the biggest, the biggest thing, just talking about age, um, one of the biggest things that they have found through research is that as people age who have bipolar disorder – they're less likely to have mania as often as they did in youth. Okay. So as they age, there's more depressive episodes. L- the length of depressive episodes seems longer sure. yeah. than the mania. But you know, again, that could that could just be youth and energy. I was going to say, like, you know, yeah, when you're, you're just kid, able to ride that yeah, high a little longer. Exactly. That's how I look at that. One other thing that I would like to say about age, it really isn't about the difference about age, but there's this really cool research about how, when you talk about the brain stuff, you know, like what causes it, Mm -hmm. that people who have bipolar disorder, the studies have shown that they have less gray matter in their brain. Really? Uh, And the the telomere, telomere length. And I, Which is what? I wish I could explain it to you because it's a big scientific... Uh, telomeres act as protective caps on the end of our DNA strands. So like the ends of our DNA strands have these little things called telomeres. Each time a cell divides, the telomere becomes shorter. That's part of what happens in our body as we age. Okay. So it's so it's like a sign of aging. Sure. Our telomeres get shorter. In this way, <laughs> you just, could... You this could, is bonkers. I've never heard this okay. and it's weirding me out. In this way... Telomere length can be used as a measure of biological aging. Okay, so you can. If look you're at looking it. it up, like I'm trying to do right now, it's, it's spelled T E L O M E R E, telomere. 
So in older people, telomeres are shorter. That makes sure. sense, right? We got old, we wore out our telomeres. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> so people who have bipolar disorder show signs of biological aging before their actual chronological They're age. They're wearing so they, out their telomeres. Right. There's something about that. However, this is the really cool part. Okay. People who have used medication, specifically lithium was the one they were studying in this one study that I read. It minimizes the premature aging. The The medication not only helps them to function huh. uh, on a more healthy level, but it actually protects their telomeres. So it protects their brain from aging as quickly. Wow. So that's another reason well, why. Well, yeah, because, I mean, to me, it's kind of a cause versus effect thing where maybe not necessarily like the medication is causing the telomeres to, to not age as fast, but it's stopping the things that cause the aging right because it's stopping that like back and forth back and forth which yeah is gonna wear you out (laughs) right so just so that i throw this out there it's not only bipolar where where shortened telomeres have been found Mm. um but also major depressive disorder and schizophrenia and dementia yeah those things are all very taxing and mm -hmm. it doesn't surprise me that there's they wear wear out our telomeres yeah yeah i know okay that's all i want to say about aging (laughs) okay I'm done. Sorry, I'm done. Okay. I know. <laughs> Goodbye. Give me, give me a grade for my report. <laughs> you get a sticker. <laughs> you get a sticker. That was a very good presentation. So, do you want a sticker? I have them. Should we go into causes? What causes are you going to give me a sticker? Yay! I'm getting a sticker, everyone. Kind of a sticker. They smell? They smell. I'm all stuffy, so I probably won't no. smell it. Put it right on my nose. Oh, kind of a little sticker. Mom did really good, so she got a sticker. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, what are we talking about? Causes? Yeah, should we talk about causes? Yes. This is another shrug emoji. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the biggest thing that they have found as far as causes is that there are very strong, there's very strong evidence that supports there's a lot of genetics going on that that basically means that, yeah, we can kind of inherit bipolar. Yeah, um, there's so much heredity when it comes to mood disorders. Right. Like depression and bipolar, that the just there's... And again, that kind of goes back to the nature versus nurture thing. Because if you're in a house with... Like if you're in a house with someone who has bipolar disorder and you have to live with that instability, that's right. probably going to cause some instability in your own mental functioning too. Exactly. So that being said, basically the main theory about what causes bipolar is an imbalance in your brain chemicals, in your Mm -hmm. neurotransmitters. If the neurotransmitters aren't balanced, then your brain's mood regulating Mm -hmm. just doesn't work the way it should. So it's your moods go this way and that way. Go quacky. That's right. So if it is genetic, it means that you inherited that particular thing that's happening in your brain. Your neurotransmitters aren't aren't in balance. <laughs> From your parent, you got and your so, hairline and your nose and your neurotransmitters. <laughs> your uh, imbalanced neurotransmitters. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, the researchers also say that indeed, like you said, nature versus nurture, environment does play a role in, sure. bi- in bipolar. I think environment so, plays a role in everything. Yeah. So the reason that a lot of a correlation there of of people in their late teens, early 20s hitting that bipolar shtick Mm -hmm. is because of traumatic events that are triggering it. So maybe, you know, somebody you love dies or your parents get divorced or there's other traumatic events that trigger your first episode of depression. Right and or mania and then also the idea of any kind of trauma that's that triggers a major episode yeah could be the start of it so so they tie that together 
As far as the brain goes, Anna, you're always so good about talking about the brain. I know. I'm realizing I didn't do it much in this episode. And I probably should have. And you're you're just smarter at it. Um, but the the loss or the damage of brain cells in your hippocampus contributes to mood disorders. So mm-hmm. therefore, it contributes to bipolar disorder mm-hmm. but it, but it's any kind of mood disorders our hippocampus is the part of our brain that's associated with memory basically but if there's been some damage there either from trauma or like from physical trauma or from emotional trauma yeah. either one can affect your hippocampus yeah just because i want to say this word <laughs> that's always a good reason it can also uh research also suggests that mitochondrial problems <laughs> may play a role in bipolar that's the powerhouse of the cell that's exactly what it says on the (laughs) it says that literally right here the powerhouse of the cell in every human cell (laughs) it's the powerhouse of the cell that's Uh the only thing i learned in science class well you learned it i learned it your education paid it's in there (laughs) i'm not sure what that means exactly i don't know what it means either (laughs) It means it can lift weights. I don't know. But they've done, you know, part of this research that we keep saying, the research, um, (laughs) they performed MRIs on brains of people with bipolar. Uh, This was a study in, oh, it was four years ago. Oh, that's they really found recent. They found elevated signals in certain parts of the brain. And these parts are the parts of the brain that help like your voluntary movement that they were elevated. So so it goes back to that neurotransmitter idea that when things are just not pumping quite the way they should <laughs> pump. Either they're sure. over pumping or they're under pumping, yeah. I guess, is the idea. I, I don't know because I didn't look at any of the research. Does it have to do with like... Bipolar specifically, does it have to do with overcompensating? Like, we haven't been making the right chemicals or we haven't been getting the right chemicals. We're going to pump a lot more. Is that what causes us that to would, go into the mania? I was going to say that would probably be the mania part because the depressive part would be when you're lacking it. Yes. And, and then, then maybe the brain, your brain like, kicks oh, in. Oh, crap. Yeah, I didn't read that specifically, but that sounds like it makes sense. Logically, it makes sense, but that doesn't mean that's how the brain works. That's right. They repeatedly talked about the gray matter thing in the in the stuff that I read about the causes. It says, studies have shown that the thinning of gray matter in brains of patients with bipolar disorder is significant. The greatest deficits were found in parts of the brain that controlled inhibition and motivation. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Which is the frontal and the temporal regions of mm-hmm. our brain. Which inhibition, it goes back to that impulsivity thing. The risk, risk, risk. Yeah, and the motivation goes back to, like, when you're manic, you have a whole bunch of motivation. And when you're depressive, you have none. It's the opposite, exactly. So back to what causes it, uh, um, <laughs> we do believe that it really has a lot to do with the way our brain functions, which basically is what most mental health issues go back yeah. to. And that's why there are medications that do indeed help people who have bipolar. So let's slide into that. Let's go into the treatment portion let's do that. of the episode. So yes, there there are medications that can help. And we kind of touched on this earlier where antidepressants are going to be important to balance out that, to manage the depressive, but it's not going to be just antidepressants. Right. Um, actually, in b- bipolar, mood stabilizers are, are more effective. So when you mentioned lithium, lithium is a mood stabilizer. Mm-hmm. The mood stabilizers are going to be the ones that cut the mania. And, and it's just going to kind of get you back to like a baseline. Like we talked about that baseline. It's just going to, the mood stabilizers, they're going to make the highs and lows less high and low. They're going to make the roller coaster a little bit less steep. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good way to put it. 
Thanks, Mom. <laughs> um, uh, antipsychotics are sometimes going to be used. Like I mentioned, sometimes in mania, there are going to be psychotic symptoms. But but also, like, the antidepressants that I mentioned, they're sometimes going to be, like, antidepressants slash antipsychotics. Uh, so if you are involved with someone who has bipolar disorder or you have it and you see, like, antipsychotic in your medic- medicine list, don't get too freaked out. That's just – medicines are just called things, okay? <laughs> they're just called things. It doesn't mean that you were psychotic. It doesn't mean you're a psychotic person, right, no. Right, right. Benzodiazepines are going to be important. Those are uh, anti-anxiety medications um, just because, like I said – Stuff like this is going to cause anxiety because it's disrupting your life. But usually those are going to be more for short-term treatment instead of long-term. And and yeah, I mean, unfortunately, if you do have bipolar disorder, mood stabilizers and antidepressants are going to be pretty long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just kind of... And I've had to process that with a lot of clients specifically where it's like, I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my life. And it, the answer is kind of like, too bad. I'm sorry. I don't want to be on blood pressure medicine the rest of my life yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Exactly. It's just sometimes our our <laughs> bodies and brains don't make what it needs to make. Right, so right. we have to help it. Sleep medications are going to be used every once in a while, usually just to temper the the, hey, I'm not sleeping or, hey, I'm sleeping way too much or anything mm-hmm. like that. And also just kind of natural supplements are probably going to be helpful. And, and going along with that, general lifestyle changes probably are going to help. So keeping a routine is really, really important, especially for that eating and sleeping thing. Like mom mentioned, learning to learning to recognize your mood swings is going to be really important in your routine. So you can kind of say, oh, crap, I'm going into a manic episode. I got to make sure that I am taking care of myself the way I need to take care of myself. And I think that a lot of therapists probably use some some sort of mood tracking with mm-hmm. uh, clients like this to mm-hmm. to watch their triggers and to watch the, you know. Yeah. The one that I use and the one that I talk to my clients about all the time is Dalio. D-A-Y-L-I-O. I probably have mentioned it on the podcast before, but every day you just go in there and you you mark like where you're at on the on the mood scale, basically. And then you can add like tags to it. So like, you know, oh, I exercised today. And you can kind of go back and see like what tags are associated with what moods. And and there's just a lot of like stats and stuff that are that are available. It kind of helps you visualize stuff a little more. So if you're listening to this and kind of worried about your own moods, then a mood tracking app might be a really helpful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if you're not worried that you're bipolar. No. I think I think it's kind of a cool thing if you're just trying right now with the pandemic yeah. and so many people are isolated and we don't know, you know, you wake up and you think, God, I'm really sad today. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if you're if you tracking your moods and you can kind of see, well, maybe I'm sad because I haven't talked to anybody yeah, for Maybe I'm days, sad because you know? it's 2020. <laughs> I think it's really significant though to, to note that even if you have a, a diagnosis of bipolar disorder that even if you're well, you're working very well with your meds, that therapy is yep. really important. Yep. Go to really therapy. important. Absolutely. And, and your therapist will probably use techniques from CBT, mm-hmm. but also uh, DBT, which I think we should do an episode on DBT sometime. Uh, okay, wait. I'm slacking. CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy and DBT is dialectical behavioral therapy. Oh yeah, that's your job to say the things that I just say the letters for. If you want to hear more about CBT, go to episode 71. And in the future, perhaps we will do one on dialectic. (laughs) Yes, probably. DBT is used a lot for borderline. Borderline. And I'm going to, I'm going to say here that there's probably going to be some overlap between bipolar and borderline. Amen. So 
yeah, it, it makes sense that that's those that comorbid thing. Yeah, exactly. Another thing that might happen is that your therapist might recommend some kind of either couples therapy or family therapy if you're diagnosed with bipolar because y- you want or for any reason actually yeah. but but we're specifically talking about bipolar right now and especially for bipolar like we talked about like the mania and stuff i, I think a lot of people with bipolar don't because it does feel good mm-hmm. th- they don't recognize that it is harmful or that it's like out of the ordinary because they're so like wow this feels really good right and then everyone around them is going uh okay you're not okay yeah so <laughs> and that's another reason though to track your moods and to know when you're going up the roller coaster yeah because if you're all the way at the top 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 mm-hmm. of a full-blown manic episode and somebody you love says you're not being healthy you're probably not going to listen at that point no. so you, you, you need to know yeah before there, you there needs it. to be a balance of you knowing your moods and also right. being able to listen to other people that are going to hold you accountable right and have things in place in your relationships that are helpful to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Electroconvulsive therapy is also used sometimes. And if you want to hear more about that, go to episode 23. We're getting some good reference now. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you always wanted to know. <laughs> what else? I think we're done. I, I think, I think. You think we covered it pretty I well? I think we covered it. I mean, again, I know it's a little maybe disappointing when we have these episodes where we're like, Anyway, we don't know what causes it, and we don't know why it's different, and we don't know this, and Uh we don't know this, and sometimes we don't know if it's bipolar at all. (laughs) (laughs) I know that makes it sound like we don't know what we're talking about. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, you know. I don't know. Like, I think that it's, it is. But we are professionals. We are professionals, (laughs) and we went to school for this. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's very subjective, as scary as that is when we're talking about brains and, and diagnoses and stuff like that. But I, I mean, you know, looking on the bright side of that, it just means that there's options that, that people are going to maybe spot something in you and please take that and use it to get help. Mm-hmm. Like I know we kind of like trash talked the the way that society has used bipolar disorder. And, and I mean, I'm I'm sticking to that. Like we should, <laughs> we shouldn't be using it in the way we are. Right. Uh, that like people saying, "Oh, you're so bipolar." If you're having like a, a really good day or a really bad day, it can be pretty damaging because that goes along with like, "Oh, if you're experiencing a strong emotion, that's a disorder and not just a strong emotion." Mm-hmm. But I would hope that leads to more awareness that this is a thing. I hope. I agree. I think I, I would like to just end by saying, you know, when you hear something like like this episode today and you might be sitting there going, oh, man, I think that might be me. <laughs> and, and no matter what kind of diagnoses we might have talked about on different episodes or things that you see on TV or things that you hear people say, to give yourself the courage to reach out to get help and not be fearful of what that might mean. Sure. Because that first step, I just had a client this week that was new and I said to him, you know, it's amazing that you had the courage to come in. You know, you do that with new clients because it is scary to go Mm -hmm. to therapy for the first time. Mm -hmm. And so you want to really let them know, let a client know that it is a big deal that that you do that. So what I, I think I would say to our sipsters is that if you if you're listening to things and you're like oh man maybe if you're fretting about it the, reach out to somebody yeah and to tag on to that i know that bipolar because i think of how it's been used and abused in society just the term i think it's a really stigmatizing diagnosis yeah i think it's something it that is. a lot of people don't 
want to be labeled with. Right, right. And the fact that it's basically with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. However, like I said with that one story where one of my clients was mislabeled, and then when we got the right label, it got a lot better. Right. Labels are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Labels are there so we know how to help. Right. And it's not a shameful thing to have a diagnosis. That's not your fault that you have that diagnosis. I mean, like, you know, when we were talking about the causes, I mean, there are obviously things that we can do that are not good for our mental health and that maybe right. we have routines and habits that are that are probably, you know, making our moods a little less stable. And sure, we should work on those. But it's not like the cause of bipolar disorder, if you have it, is that you did something wrong. Right. You know, don't don't be afraid, you know, if you're listening to this and going, oh, God, do I have bipolar disorder? Oh, you should go see. And if you do, that's not a bad thing. It just means that now you can move forward and know how. Right. And now you it. can know how to manage it. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. It's it, That's true about all mental health issues. True that. Yes. Okay. And I think that's that. Okay. Do you want to thank the people? I would like to thank our sipsters for listening. We do so appreciate you. And we appreciate that you take the time to listen. And and we really appreciate it when you send us a note, to give us an email, or you give us a review. Because we love to hear from you. I know. I got something the other day. I had done something and it said, please review this. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, oh, I don't really have time for that. So I know sipsters that you might think, oh, I don't really have time to send Bonnie and Anna yeah. a review. View, but, but we're cooler than all those other ones. Yeah, we so <laughs> we would we will be so grateful if you review us or you send us a note. Yeah, when you review those other things, do they cry? Because we <laughs> cry. So and if you review and send us a screenshot, or <gasps> or then you get a free sticker, a sticker. so you actually get reinforced. You got to give us your physical address so we can send you a sticker. But we will be happy to do that. Okay. Thank you, Sipsters. We love you. Yes, we do love you. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're Freudian Sips Pod on everything. Our site is FreudianSipsPod.com. Our email is FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. We're so consistent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Uh, it's, it's a really good thing. I like to think thing. I taught you that. And yes. <laughs> And yeah, so so uh, email us or or leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening. And uh, see you next time. And until then, our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod. And it sounds like this. Mm-hmm.